Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast, everybody. This hey, is everybody. episode, which one is it? Adam? 21. Hey, hey, we definitely... 21. <laughs> We've really arrived. Cool. <laughs> We're an official adult. <laughs> 21 episodes. We're an actual podcast. Now. Yeah. We, 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 uh, before, hey, it was like beta. Yeah, yeah, beta like version. Beta version. Test version. But now this is like, we're we're legit. We're, we're in 21 it. 21 now. Not to quit. Um, we can... We're an adult. Legally, what's funny is, is I've always equated that to the church. So really, yeah. So when we planted our church, our church is now nine years old. So wow. like when we hit, which is crazy, uh, it feels When's like it, it feels like it was yesterday. Up? And it, yes, it um, number ten is coming up in February. So we're nine and a half years old. We'll be we'll be uh, ten years old, ten year anniversary, um, in uh, February. It's actually on my birthday, which is funny. So we That's actually cool. planted the church on my birthday, which was a total accident. Um, we didn't mean to do that, but we just did. Anyway, it's I always equated it with that. So, like when we would hit year one, I'd be like, "Hey, we're a one year old, right? We're still wearing diapers. <laughs> we can we can say a few words, but that's it. We all got a couple teeth, you know." And then we'd yeah. hit three, and I'd be like, "Hey, we're three. We're potty training, but we're still kind of messing it up, <laughs> you know." And it really does work with the life. This is what the church was at the yeah. time. That's what it felt like. And then just recently, like last week. Two weeks ago, I ended up saying, "Hey, we're nine years old, so you know we we sleep on we sleep in our own bed now, and we pee brush the, our own teeth the bed every, every now and then. We still pee the bed though, so yeah, it's funny. So the podcast we're twenty one years old. I don't <laughs> know. If, I don't know though if if, if uh, when I'm equating that with the church, I'm equating whole years. I don't know if twenty one episodes makes us a twenty one year old. No, but, uh, I don't think it does. But no, we're gonna go with it. So. It's the whole teenage mind. We think we're that age, but we're, we're yeah, really like really still like twelve. Is, right? So we're really twelve year olds, um, and our podcast is still kind of like that. But uh, we're going to go with twenty one episodes. So it's pretty cool. Thank you for hanging out with us. We're for sure. we're talking through right now just to kind of jump in. Um, and to let you guys know before I jump in, which I shouldn't have said that first. So let me jump to this. Um, Rewind. I'm going to be in. Uh, uh, me, my wife Valerie, um, our daughter Olivia for the first time, and then a team from our church is going to be, um, and also, and also the voice you hear at the very beginning of this podcast. Before you get to my horrible voice and Graham's horrible voice and my yes. heavy and my heavy breathing. Um, before we get to the, and Graham's random noises he makes over there. Before <laughs> before you get to that, you hear this awesome, beautiful female voice that starts off the podcast and ends the podcast. It's the voice you really want to yeah, hear, yeah. and, and then you like, hear us. Yeah, <laughs> the teaser voice. That's Chloe. Uh, she's one of our staff members, and uh, she is going as well. So we will all be, uh, along with a team of people, we will be in the Dominican Republic working with Casas por Cristo. Um, Which to, means? Um, houses for Christ. Um, building homes for people that desperately need homes. Um, and we'll be doing that. We're actually doing it for a pastor this time, a pastor that we work with who's built homes for other people that doesn't have a home of his own, so which mm. is pretty sweet. Really cool. So we're going to be doing that um, with, with our partners there um, and our missionaries. Um, a couple of missionaries that Valerie and I actually support separately from the church as well. Oh, cool. 
I'll be there with them. Anyway, so as we're there over the next uh, little while, we're going to be uh, doing a couple episodes from there. So I'll actually be there next week from when we're recording this. But when you hear this episode, it'll be a couple weeks in the future or something weird like that because there's time travel going on in the podcast world. So anyway, we're going to do a couple episodes from the DR um, and have a couple of folks there involved in it. And uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So that's coming up. We're super Um, excited. That's going to be really, really cool to be able to record it from so far We hope it works, but... We have to do a phone thing, which we're yeah. trying to figure out how to make it work, but hopefully... Um, yeah, there's legit ways to do this that cost money, but we're not going to do that. So we're going to stick a phone up to the microphone and we're going to make it work. Duct tape. Right. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But anyway, where we're at right now and what we're talking through, and I hope you've enjoyed what we've been talking through, is what we've we've said is that Jesus has a messy walk. Um, not because of sin, like the majority of our messy walk is because of, but because of various different things as walking and living in this world and things that he actually did that made his walk messy. And when I say the word messy with Jesus, I'm talking about it made it difficult, right? So when we say that we have a messy walk and the name of our podcast is that, we're talking about the fact that we have a messy walk because we're sinful, but because also it's difficult. It's hard no matter what. So even for the perfect Lamb of God, he still had a messy walk because there was difficulties involved in it, not indicating that he was sinful in any way indicating that there are hard things as we walk and live a life for the Lord. Like, so you got to remember guys, we are Christians. So we are following our savior was brutally murdered. So that's the one that we're following. And so that should tell you right there that if the walk that we're trying to emulate was so difficult that it ended in murder, (laughs) then our walks are going to be difficult too. Even when we are pursuing holiness and we're trying we're trying to, um, um, as Paul says, count ourselves dead to sin and alive to the Spirit, right? Alive to Christ. We're counting ourselves dead to sin, but we're still sinning. But our Savior, who didn't sin, still had a walk on this earth with the Lord that was hard, right? So that's what we're kind of talking about. So first couple episodes, we talked about you know one of the things that made his walk, walk messy and difficult was pain and suffering. And we did a couple episodes on that. Pain and suffering being uh, from just being humanity, being part mm-hmm. of human, his, his actual humanity, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and then the other part was, you know, he had pain and suffering on the cross because of his purpose was was the reason of that. So he's walking in his purpose, and there was difficulties because of that. And then last episode, we talked about the fact that Jesus' walk was messy because he started going against, didn't start, he always was, going against um uh, cultural or societal norms that were incorrect, that were not godly. And so he starts to buck those things, which then makes his walk difficult, right? Because anytime you start to go against what is worldly and for what is godly, you're mm-hmm. going to feel some pushback, right? You're yeah. going to feel that from the enemy. You're going to feel that from people. We live in a world that is occupied by the enemy. And so therefore, when we start doing and acting and living godly, we're going to get com- combat back from that. And that's the whole point. So Jesus, what we talked about last week, was one of those societal cultural norms that he um, opposed and purposely went against was sexism. Um, And so Jesus puts male and female on an equal platform. Mm. And as he begins to elevate women like no one in the history of the world had done since before him – um, he, you know, he receives difficulties because of that. And so anytime we go against one, and so here's the one for today. Um, this is another one that he goes against culturally, um, is that Jesus is, Jesus actually goes out of his way as you read through the gospels. And, and by the way, just remember the gospels are just individual accounts, eyewitness accounts of 
Jesus's life. What you see as they record these things is that Jesus goes out of his way to combat um, and to just completely go against racism. Um, and that's a hot topic today in our Very. culture. But it's all, it, by the way, it's always been a hot topic because it's always been um, a sinful tendency of mankind. Yeah. Um, there's a sinful tendency of mankind that finds itself constantly going back to racism because of one great big thing, pride, right? Where we are arrogant enough to think and prideful to think enough that we, in some way, shape, or form, are better than other people. And that there's an elevation of ourselves above someone else. Um, and, and it's just, it's all rooted in pride. To, to hate or dislike or have a distaste for someone else who's different than you in whatever reasons that there are, um, roots back to pride. And so if you know anything about Christ, you know that he is crushing pride, right, um, in his walk as the spotless Lamb of God, because pride is basically at the end of the day, um, you know, saying that I am more important. And that, you know, when we're walking in pride, we're taking, um, we're sitting in God's throne in our lives, right? And so Jesus is combating that, by the way. He, he didn't, came, he, you know, he came to sit in his throne. <laughs> so um, he's always combating in our hearts. And then as he's on the earth, right, anything that's taking the place of the Lord Almighty um, in the center of our universe mm. and in the center of our lives and on the throne of our lives. And so he's combating racism constantly. Um, and, he, and I think that it's important to note that he goes out of his way to do it. So it's not just something that happens. It's the same thing I believe that happened with the sexism, is that there is a choice here on Jesus' part to continue to show us that these things are incorrect and ungodly. And because he does that, it does make his walk much more difficult. I, I was going to say this at the end of the last episode, and then I caught myself, and I was like, oh, wait, I'll say it this one. Um, it was like an accidental cliffhanger, right? You were laughing at me, Graham, at the end of that one. It was like an accidental cliffhanger because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to give you the two. So now I'll do it. Um, there's two things that got Jesus killed from a human perspective. One was the primary one is his declaration that he is God, right? <laughs> That's the big one. I am God. Um, and then the second one was um, his, him going against racism, right? That was the second one. So the things that made people hate him the most, that, that made the world hate him the most, was I'm God and um, people are people. And so there's not classes of you. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's superior to anybody else. Man, that fired people up like crazy. And so, you know, you see that that in Jesus' time, he's, he is confronting this racism that's happening between Jews and Gentiles between um, Jews, Gentiles, and the Romans, right? Even though they would consider the Romans Gentiles, it was separate. But what's even crazier about that is there's even, it's not just between Jews and Gentiles. There was even um, racism happening between the Jews in themselves. And so it wasn't just Jews and Gentiles, two separate different people groups, but there was racism happening within individual people groups too. And so he, he ends up seeing that, you see that there is this racial rivalry happening among the Jews, um, and you see you see this in Jesus experienced it personally, because you get Nathaniel saying, "How could anything good come out of Nazareth?" Right? How, how could how could that be? There's this automatic. My nose is higher as a Jewish person who came from this place versus somebody who would come from this place because they're the same race, right? They're the same 
culture of people. But all of a sudden you see Nathaniel, Nathaniel saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That right there is a bias against Jesus. And he biased against Jesus before he even met Jesus. He says that before he meets Jesus. He's being told, come see, come follow him. He's like, where'd he come from? Nazareth? Come on now. What good's going to come out of Nazareth? In other words, those people aren't any good. Mm. Right. And that was within the Jewish culture. That wasn't yeah. even a whole different race of people. So you see it in between both of them together at the exact same time in their own cultures happening. And so Jesus sees all that. And and what Jesus basically ends up saying, you know, is that everybody's the same. We're all the same. We were all made from dirt, by the way. And then our bodies are made up with primarily from water. So what's that mean? We're all mud. Right? That's, that's all it is. We're all mud. We might be a little different shades of mud, but we're all mud. That's the whole point, right? That everybody is the same. And by the way, Jesus says everybody's the same. And by the way, everybody is sinful. So, you know, the beautiful thing about the cross is that the, the, the ground is level at the cross. Everybody's the same at the cross. No matter where you come from, what you've been given, how you've sinned, it's level ground at the cross, you know. And I personally believe, and you've probably heard me say this before, I don't know about the podcast, but if you've ever heard me preach or teach, I say this a lot. I probably said it on the podcast too. The, the closer you get to the cross, the early, uglier and dirtier you look, you know, that you see your sin, the closer you are to the cross. So the key is for us to stay close to the cross of Jesus so that we understand our own sinfulness instead of walking back into pride that we somehow or another are better than some other person. Because that's the root of racism, right? The root of racism is is that I am better than you or this group of people is better than you for whatever the reason is. And then we come up with all kinds of reasons why we feel that way. Um, but, you know, you get you get uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 where it says we're all jars of clay. That goes back to that whole mud idea, right? That That it's not the container, but it's the contents that are valuable to God. So it's not the outside of what the outside of that body looks like, but it's the inside soul and character. And all of those are made in the image of God. And so Jesus is combating that constantly, and he's faced with it even personally, like when Nathaniel says that about him. And you see him kind of go out of his way constantly to be able to say, no, 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 no. People are people, and I have come for every single person, every single person. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to teach on this. Um, I'm not going to teach on it. Somebody from our teaching team is going to teach on that um, what you want to kind of do when you figure out how we should live on earth is kind of reverse engineer it. What's the end of this thing look like? So what's the, what's the end of everything look like? The end of everything looks like every nation, tribe, and tongue, every people group on earth being in eternal praise and glory of the only one that deserves the glory. So we need to reverse engineer. If that's how it looks, then that's how it needs to start looking now. We start to, to make, you know, like going back to the Lord's Prayer, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? We start to make those things look like that now because that's where it's going. That's the vision of the future. The vision of the future is every single tribe, tongue, nation, group, culture, group of people are going to be worshiping the Lord all together, right? So you got to get over that. You know, and if you're if you're one of those people that's kind of stuck in racism, you won't admit it. It's okay, I understand. You won't say it out loud. But if you got a problem with um, the church combating racism, or if you have a problem with people that don't look like you being in church with you, you better get that straight quick because you're gonna hate heaven if you don't like that now. I mean, you know, because because you're gonna despise heaven because it's gonna be every kind of person you could ever create that God's ever created. 
um, worshiping him. And there's our brothers and sisters, right? So Jesus, I don't know how I got off on that topic just now, but anyway. It's a good point. Yeah. You, know. I never, you never really think about the context of racism when it comes to, well, the, the combating of it when it comes to eternity, you know, and. I mean, that's that's the end. Yeah. The end of what it looks like, right? It's a really good point. I never thought of that. And so you see, going back to this, you see, um, and if you want to, if you've got a Bible or something and you happen to be doing this while you're studying the Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke 10. We're going to get there in a little while. Um, um, but because I'm going to show you something in scripture that I think is probably Jesus's most profound statement on racism. But when we're talking about these things, you'll see how Jesus kind of goes out of his way to make this happen. Um, like for example, one of the things that we refer to constantly in scripture study is the woman from the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, what we, I don't think we realize is that the Samaritans were hated by the Jews and the Samaritans hated the Jews as well. There was racism in between those two groups of people and there was total segregation between them. They, they are living in segregated societies. And so Jesus creates this divine appointment with this woman at the, the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, um, because he goes through there on purpose for that moment. All the Jews would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go through it. Right? They would never go through it because it was segregated racism. And so they would go through those things. They would, I mean, they would go around them. They would avoid it completely. By Jesus not avoiding it and going directly through there, he's creating a divine appointment to sit down and meet face-to-face with this woman at the well. And all those disciples are going to be shocked by the fact that he's doing that. Right? They're going to be – and you can read it. You can read it in John. They're, they're shocked that he is – um, stopping there, and he's having a conversation with this Samaritan woman. He he takes time, like divine appointment kind of thing, going out of his way to confront this racism because he not only meets her, talks to her, like we talked about last episode with regard to sexism, but he even reveals his messiahship to her. You know, it's it's direct. So it's not like... It's like what Jesus is doing in that moment is he is making sure that we know, but but really in the in the scripture, making sure that his disciples know that his messiahship that they believe in, that they're following, is for all people. Hmm. It's for all races, even the ones that they personally hate. Because I'm, I mean, I'm I'm speculating here, but I think as you read through the scripture and you understand what's going on contextually and in the history of the time frame. All of his disciples would have hated the Samaritans. And yet he walks directly through there and meets with her on purpose and then reveals his messiahship to her, which is basically him going out of his way to combat racism and make sure everybody knows that my kingdom is for all people, that we're all equal, we're all the same, and I am savior of the world. And that does not just mean one particular race of the world, right? That's what he's going against, which I think is pretty pretty intense, Um and here's what's cool about that. As a result of him going into Samaria, not going around it, intentionally having that moment where he meets her face to face, reveals his messiahship to her, and then corrects the disciples on the fact that it's for all people. A, a couple day revival breaks out in Samaria because this woman goes back and tells everybody about the Messiah. So it wasn't just Jesus going there for that one person. You can't, you know, you can't say, well, it. You know, he wasn't combating racism. It was about that one person. Oh, no, it's not. Because she goes back and she tells everybody who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, this revival breaks out, right? 
amongst this group of people that are separate from the Jewish people that he has come from and that he's also primarily with. And so I think that's pretty cool. So in other words, he's going out of his way to combat that. And you can't just say it's an isolated thing. It's for multiple people. It's for that entire group of people, which I think is really cool. Um, Another example you get of this is Jesus healing this, which is not. So so we would the other one we had Jews and Samaritans, right? They would classify the Samaritans as Gentiles, even though they weren't fully. The Samaritans were like what the Jews considered to be half breeds. Um, but what you get with the is that like when you say that, do you mean like a Jew and a Gentile? Yeah, yeah, yeah coming kind of, together right, to have a right. Child? So they would consider them like halfway, Makes right? Sense. But they but they considered them Gentiles for the most part. So there's those two people groups. But you know, in the beginning of this conversation, we talked about there was also a third group, which was the Romans. Um, the Jewish the Jewish people despised the Romans for occupying their land. Now they would have considered the the Romans Gentiles too, but they despised them for occupying their land and controlling their lives and overtaxing them and all that kind of stuff, right? And they were waiting for a savior to kind of relieve them of that Roman rule, but they hated them. And you get Jesus in the scriptures. Um, I think it's in I think it's in Matthew eight, but I'm not sure. You get Jesus going into a Roman centurion's home. The Jewish people would have never went in a Roman person's home. That was the people that was they hated that people group. They saw them as like uh, the work of the enemy on earth, um, and maybe they were, but we all are to some extent. Um, but but they hated them, and so they would not have gone near his home, much less. Um, in it, they wouldn't have gone in that unclean Roman person's house. They wouldn't have even gone close to it. You know what I mean? They wouldn't even walk around the backyard. You know, they didn't have one, but you know what I mean. Like that. But he goes in the house, and the centurion is literally there just so Jesus can speak the word to him. And so Jesus is instantly kind of breaking down this. Um, this barrier that definitely existed. You see him going against it completely. And then he even heals the, 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 the centurion servant. So it's, it's, it's not just, I happen to be walking through. I think sometimes if you, if you don't look at this intentionally, what you'll see is as well, it's just, he just happened to be going through and he happened to be doing these things. And so he ran into these people that are from different ways of life. And that does not mean that he's actually combating uh, racism. One, how could you say, that anything that Jesus does in the Gospels is random. How could you say that it's just co- it's just coincidental? He is on a full-blown mission from heaven, and there's so many things that he does that you can tell are, just from our limited perspective, that are absolutely intentionally on purpose. And so you just can't take one and disqualify it and say that, well, that one's just a random act. No, no, no. That means there's something happening. Everything Jesus does even the places he goes, there is a purpose and a reason for it. And you can discover those if you study the scripture. And so there's a reason for him doing this. So you can't just chalk it up to, well, he just happened to be there and he was having compassion, but it doesn't mean that he was combating racism. No, he fully is. He's completely showing them that my messiahship, my healing, right? Not just healing a person, but the overall healing of the soul is for the Romans too. So he's consistently going back and forth and combating 
this idea of racism on purpose and establishing his messiahship over all the world, not just one group of people. And that was hard for the Jewish people. And I think that when you look at us now, it's hard for us too. And so this idea, let me go back to the the topic of why we're discussing this before we get to Luke 10. This, This idea that Jesus combats racism is one of the things that gets him murdered. So it definitely makes his walk difficult and messy. And so when we combat, like we talked about last episode, when we combat societal cultural norms that are not godly, that they don't add up, and they are not honoring the God-given image bearer of a human being, when we combat those, we're going to have a hard, difficult walk too. Right? It's going to make things harder. That's one of the reasons. I mean, I would say it's it's not 50%. Like I think the whole I'm God thing was really what did it. But well, big one was his embracing of all people and him combating their racist stereotypes that were keeping people from having relationships with God. And he's completely going against it. And I think one of the best um, illustrations of this in Scripture is that Luke 10 thing I was talking about before. So if you go to Luke 10 or whatever, or you can do it later, somewhere about towards the end of chapter 10, verse 30, I think, might be where it starts. Excuse me. You see him start to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the parable of the Good Samaritan is probably his most famous parable, uh, maybe along with the prodigal son and the lost sheep, that kind of thing, right? But the Good Samaritan parable is pretty popular because – it has been used in context of people who are not Christians too. So, the, mm. you know, when you hear somebody, you you can hear this phrase constantly from people that don't believe in Jesus, that don't even know the Bible, when they say that person was being a good Samaritan. You'll hear it in in culture. So it's a really it's a really well known parable that Jesus tells worldwide, even today, right? And that parable, of the Good Samaritan, is told specifically to combat racism and then to point to who Jesus is in the story and who we are in the story. But there is this, there's this person that's asking him, you know, um, basically he ends up asking him, how do I get to heaven? How do I become be part of the kingdom of God, whatever. And, and then there's this question of, well, well, who's my neighbor? Cause God says, you know, the law, what's the law say? And it says, love people, love God, love people, right? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then this person, this, this person, this, it's a Jewish person. It's a Jewish, um, the best way to say it is a Jewish lawyer, right? It's a Jewish person who knows the law extremely well. Who's my neighbor then? And there's this air with that question. I said, you can't see me doing this on podcast, but I'm sticking my nose up and pushing it up. There's this air of, well, who's my neighbor then? Because to them, the neighbor was people like you. That was your neighbor. And Jesus then answers that question by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. And when he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, he talks about this person being half dead on the side of the road because they're on this road that is known for thieves and robbers and stuff. And so the person asking the question, you can't miss this when you study the Good Samaritan. The person asking the question is a Jewish person. The person that's laying on the side of the road in the story is a Jewish person, half dead, right? That What half dead means is if somebody don't do something, he's going to be full dead. That's what that means, right? So, uh, and then, And then the first person that comes along on the road that can do something about it is a Jewish priest. Right, so you got to pick up the what he's doing. Jewish person asking the question. Jewish person in the story on the side of the road. 
first person that comes along is the Jewish priest. In other words, sort of the tip-top best of the Jews, right? They don't do nothing. They go over to the side of the road and ignore that person that needs help. Ignore that person that's half dead, right? Even though if they did something, the person could be not full dead. <laughs> then the next person that comes along in the story, Jesus says, is a Levite, which is like another level, right? But they were the ones that assisted the, the Jewish priest to begin with. So still pretty high up there in the Jewish chain. And the Levite comes along and does the same thing the priest does. Looks at him and goes, ooh, and goes over to the other side of the road and does nothing. And then Jesus just cut straight to the third person that comes by. Now, what these people that are listening to this parable are expecting him to say is another level of a Jewish person. But what he gives them instead is a Samaritan walks by. This person that they absolutely cannot hear this thing and relate to that person. They can't leave this parable and go out and go, oh, I need to become like the Samaritan. Because they hate the Samaritans. They think that they're they're less than them, right? They're, you know, there's racism there, right? He's calling it out. And then he says that the Samaritan sees the person on the side of the road, picks them up, takes them home, cleans them up, then sets them up at the inn, pays for everything, and tells them that tells the innkeeper, when I come back, I'll take care of anything that they owe, right? And then he tells them to Go do that. They obviously, listening to that thing, cannot relate to the Samaritan. So they can't go away relating to the Samaritan at all. He's coming against this idea, fully against this idea of racism, right? Because what he just did, what you've got to not miss, is that Jesus is saying in the story, you and I aren't the good Samaritan and aren't supposed to be the good Samaritan. We're the person dead on the side of the road, half dead. And if somebody doesn't intervene, we're going to be full dead. And Jesus is the Samaritan. That's what's profound about this. That's how you know at the same time that he is completely demolishing this idea of racism because he's identifying the Son of God, the Messiah, as a Samaritan, right? He's using that reference. Incredible. So he's not telling in a way that they're going to identify with the third person and go, okay, I need to be like that. They're going, I can't be like that. Hmm. And by him embodying a character in that parable of the Samaritan, there is an equality of races that just gets laid out like no other spot in Scripture. Hmm. That we're all this. I mean, the only other place that I think you can gather any sort of equality like this, like this profound, is that image we talked about before, the image of what happens in heaven, every nation, tongue, tribe language, people group, culture group, right? He's embodying as the Messiah, as the chosen one, as the son of God, as the lamb of God, a Samaritan in the story, profound. And so he's completely, once again, not in some obscure accidental way, but in this intentional way, combating racism. There's no other way to see it. There's no other way to look through the scriptures and see anything other than Jesus is constantly putting everybody on the same platform, on the same level. And as he does that, like I said before, it causes problems. And so when we when we start to live out biblical truths, it causes issues for us in this world. 
Mm-hmm. Like you said last time, it's the it's the it's the very last part of the episode. It's the fish that's swimming along with the stream, and then when Jesus changes life, you're swimming in a different direction, yeah. right? And and what Scripture really tells us is is we're swimming in Jesus's direction. And if Jesus got uh, it was hated and got killed for it, then guess what's going to happen to us too? It's going to be pretty brutal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we have to remind ourselves too that standing up for the things of God and going in that direction with Him is ultimately what's best for our soul. We're only here for a short amount of time anyway, right? Suffering brings us closer to the things of Christ too because he suffered as well. Um, so we're, we're joined together in him in his death, but also in his sufferings. But also we have to remember that, and I think this is hard for us to get sometimes, it's okay that our walk is difficult. It's supposed to be. It's, it's going to be. Right, so I think at some point, maybe in our Americanized version of Christianity, I do this all the time. I fall in this all the time, where I'm like walking around expecting. I mean, I don't say it out loud, and I don't even know if I consciously think it, unless I'm sitting here talking on a podcast. I expect my life as I walk with Jesus to be real good. You know, unicorns popping up everywhere, and Twinkies falling out of the sky. Maybe I'm the only fat boy that dreams of that, but you know. I expect it just to be awesome and to be getting better and better every day. And that's just not the case with our walk with Jesus. So it's okay to understand that, yes, as we walk on this earth, things are going to get difficult as we stand up for what is godly, as we pursue personally what is godly, um, and as we follow the, the the prescription that our Savior has laid out. Yeah. And so we come against societal and cultural norms that are not godly. It's going to be hard. And don't fight against it being hard. Just continue to walk that path. You know, in other words, your messy walk should get less sinful over time, right? Or, or at least, probably the same level of sinfulness as sin just kind of transitions through, where we'll have victory in one area and we'll fall in another. But, but it, it's it's going to continue to be messy and difficult, and it's going to get more difficult yeah. the closer we follow Christ. Hmm. It's going to be more hard. It's going to be harder, more hard, <laughs> more harder, more harder, more harder. Sometimes it feels like that. You just have to use those words to describe it. It's going to be more difficult, you know, and yeah. and I've experienced that this year, you know, like um, over the last year and a half, um, leading the church in America has become increasingly more difficult. And part of that me, makes me, in my sinfulness, it makes me go, and when I'm not really connected to God, it makes me go, oh. This is not what it's supposed to be. I must be doing something wrong. But in the end, because it's getting more difficult, does not mean that you're doing something wrong. It probably actually means that you're doing more things right and that that the walk is going to get difficult and sharing Christ is going to be difficult. And being a citizen of a different nation, living in this nation, right now when I say a different nation, I mean of heaven, and walking here and living a godly life is going to become increasingly difficult. You know, it's just part of it. And Americans aren't used to that. We aren't used to that in America because everything has been kind of Christian, or at least on paper, um, for a long time. And as stuff starts to kind of get out of that, like if stuff starts to, as as the basis of Christian laws start to disappear from our culture, um, it makes things more difficult. But it's okay. It's all right. God's still on the throne, right? Jesus is sitting in his throne. He's good. He's got it. His walk got increasingly more difficult too, until the point of death. But then he conquered death, and so we've we've been conquered in this too, and so we've just got to know to be faithful and walk through this thing. Um, but 
at the same time, if if my Christ pushed against racism, Adam Cook's going to push against racism too. And I'm going to do it in a way that honors people and is not, you know, disgraceful to the people that believe differently than me. But if my Savior combated racism, and there's no way to look at Jesus' life and say that he didn't combat racism intentionally on, pur- on, t- on, you know, on purpose, then I'm going to do the same thing. Hmm. You know, and if that makes my walk more difficult, so be it. Yeah. Right? You know, I think that's important for us to see. So you know, in a nutshell, Jesus' walk is messy because it's difficult because he stands for godliness. Yeah. You know, and a walk that stands for godliness is going to be that way. I always like to think back to the Sermon on the Mount and when he talks about the narrow way versus, you know, that leads to life, you know, um, and then the easy way, the highway that most people take. So when I think about my Christian walk being hard, I think back to that and I'm like, good. I'm glad it's hard. I would much rather read this and agree with it has been hard than me read it and be like, actually, it's been pretty dang easy. Yeah, that's then, when. That's it, when it's, if you read it and go, it's pretty. I mean, this isn't. This doesn't fit. This is a pretty easy walk. Then you probably aren't on the narrow way. Yeah, you may need to check it out. You, you know, those are those moments where you go, well, this walking with the Christian life isn't difficult. You might want to check your salvation because Jesus might not be uh, leading your life, sitting in the throne of your life. Then, if that's the case, don't get me wrong. There are moments where. And don't like, I guess yeah. what I'm saying, don't judge it by that one moment right, where you read right. it. Not examine, thing, right. examine your faith and examine your life. But I guess as an encouragement for the Christian that is dealing with a lot of hardship. Yeah. I mean, if you feel like, man, I'm I'm trying my best, right? I'm Every day I'm trying, you know, my phrase is, Graham's heard me say this a bunch. I'm trying to lay my head on a pillow every night and go, I was as godly as I could be today. And the ways that I weren't, Lord, show them to me. I repent of them. But I'm trying, right? And so if you're sitting there going, man, I am trying every day. And this thing is hard. Be affirmed in that, not discouraged, Mm. right? Don't be discouraged in that then. Be affirmed in it. And if you're walking through it going, I love Jesus and everything's going great in my life, pause for a minute Mm -hmm. and check and make sure that uh, Jesus is on the throne of your life. The thing right. is, if if your your life is hard, you know, I think about that. It's part of it is the fact that you are sinful, and so there has to be some stuff dealt with, and that doesn't exclude anybody. Yeah. So you know, if you're saying it's easy, and you're not dealing with any hard conviction of lots of sins yeah. and whatnot, if it's you know, easy, then you are ignoring the sin in yeah. your life, and then at the same time, though. Yep. You are not pushing the gospel forward, yeah. right? So you're not you're not trying to make Jesus more famous then. Because I'm gonna tell you something. You try to make I know this. I've been feeling this for years now. You try to make more Jesus more famous, and it's hard. And Actually, you come makes up you with a, less famous. You, and you come up with a lot of you 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 know you come up you get a lot of, of of pushback when you're trying to make Jesus more famous. If you're trying to make you more famous, you don't get near as much pushback. If you're trying to make Jesus famous, making you famous is easy. It's easy. Easy. Yeah, we say at the church constantly. I used to say this all the time, and I've gotten away from it. You know how you have certain seasons where the phrase is just something you just yeah, it's a phrase you constantly because right? um, you know it's just a it's one of those things that you're meditating on. Basically. Certain scripture you yeah, hold yeah, on yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to say constantly um, is it's not about the name above the door. Hmm. It's about the name above all names. That's good, right? So it ain't about the name above Union Church's door. 
the end of the day, it ain't about us. And it's not about the church, our, our little church, right? It's about the name above all names. It's about Jesus. Mm. And so at the end of the day, we want people to see Jesus through us, not see us. Yeah. And if people see Jesus through you, they're going to throw rocks and stones and there's going to be issues and problems. The enemy is going to combat it like crazy. I mean, or you have people say, what is going on here? Why yeah, is that person yeah. different? And you look at them and you're like, listen, it's totally yeah. Jesus. And then they're like, oh. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be victory. I mean, that's the way for we're sure. supposed to live for sure. But of course. you know, Jesus is constantly pointing yeah. to us that it's going to be yeah. hard. The path is narrow, right? It's, for you sure, know, it's not paved in gold and in nice little paved road. The highway, like the highway is, it's bumpy and it's narrow, meaning that you know you're going to be walking through spaces where you're brushing up against the world. The walls, lots of repentance. You know? is yeah, what that means. yeah. Right? So you know, just to conclude yeah. things, um, seek to be godly. And as you seek to be godly, and as you combat things that aren't godly in your own personal life first and in the world around you, know that it's going to create messiness and difficulties, and that is a sign that the Lord is working in your life, not mm-hmm. a sign that he's not against he's, he's, he's against you. Yeah. You know, it's a sign that he's for you. Yeah. You're being formed into the image of Christ, and... Take a look at that image, <laughs> right? It's, it's pretty perfect. Right. It's very, it's, right. it is perfect. And then that perfect spotless lamb perfect. in a fallen world endured a massive amount of difficulties. Yeah. So you're going to, too. So needless to say, what we all said was, is before everybody gets all crazy, yep. don't get too discouraged by the difficulties that come by you trying to be godly, right? Be encouraged by be them, encouraged. actually. Yeah, which is hard Jesus to do. said it. It's hard I to should do. encourage you. Yeah, that's why we need to talk through stuff like this because it's very hard to do that. And you can go through seasons of time where you're just constantly discouraged until somebody says, "Hey, look, hold, hold up, hold up. You're walking this thing with Jesus, right? You're you're putting him first. You're you're trying to do what he did, live like he lived, embody his attitude and spirit. Then there's going to be some ramifications because of that. That's a good sign, not a bad sign. Yep. You know, so you guys be encouraged in that, no yep. matter where you're at in your walk. Um, I know a lot of young people, a lot of young people I've been talking to recently um, that are Christ followers and are pursuing it. They take a lot of flack from their friends of the world that aren't Christ followers and the world around them for the values that they're ha- adhering to in their life. And uh, that's a good thing. It's a good sign. So if, yeah. you're, if you're new in Christ, if you're young in Christ or whatever it may be, just keep pushing forward. We're not telling you right now, if you're young in Christ, that things are going to be easier. We're actually saying the opposite. Things are going to get harder. Yep. But look, the grace of God is good, and Jesus gives us the perfect um, perfect model of how we are to live yeah. um, in him. Um, and as we fail, we've got his grace. So he's already walked it for us. Yep. So we're just trying to walk it because he walked it for us. Yep. You know, so that's all I can do. That's all I'm rambling I got today. Yeah, that's it. I'm the rambled out. The is empty. Empty. I'm rambled out. <laughs> Well, thanks guys for joining us on episode 21. Still weird to say that. Um, Make sure to go and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We are the Messy Walk Podcast on both of those. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe or follow whatever it is. We always have a new episode coming out every Wednesday. And make sure to stay tuned till next week. Um, We'll have some cool episodes coming out of uh, Adam actually being in the DR and me calling him and where I should be talking about what's going on there and have a a story to even from some other people as well. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see how it plays out. We're hoping that's going to be the case. So we'll be calling um, 
next episode, 22 or so, we're going to be calling from the DR. Yep. The Dominican Republic. That's it. Where they have all the baseball players. (laughs) All the good baseball players come to Dominican these days. Um, Anyway, side note. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great day. Bye.